And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, make it personal, church. Then I said, then I said, I will. I'll be the one. I'll be the one that goes. Here am I. Send me. Did you catch this, by the way? He took the tongs from the altar and he touched his lips. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, we come before you with a desperation, a thirst, with a hunger. In a chaotic world that continues to pursue self, the darkness, evil, God, I pray that You would just open right now, open our minds and our hearts like never before, God that our hearts and our minds are more open to You in Your Word, in Your glory, in Your praise, in Your fame, in Your holiness, in Your love, in Your mercy. God, I pray than ever before. And so God, I pray You'd move across this room. We pray against any oppression, any darkness of the enemy, any rebellion, any disobedience, defiance. God, we pray against those things. And Holy Father, we just pray that You'd give us right now, give me, give us hearts that are soft and tender. Soft and tender to hear Your truth. Soft and tender to obey Your truth. Soft and tender that we would desire to give You glory, to be Your disciples that go and make Your disciples. And Lord, that's our mission. So Holy Spirit, I pray You'll move in power. I pray all over this room, You will move in power. Grab a hold of our hearts right now, O God. Bend us. Break us. Do whatever You need to do. But grab a hold of us, O God, right now. Just stir in this place. Make Yourself known. The fame and the renown of Your name. Oh, fathers, we renounce everything for Your glory. May You do a work right now that only You can do. Father, give me Your words. I pray they're not my words, but I pray they're Yours. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart 
be acceptable to You and You alone, O God, my Rock and my Redeemer. And so bring the revival and bring it today, O God. We love You. We worship You. We seek You right now. And we pray this in the mighty and the matchless name of King Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. Looking at verses 16 through 17 today. And the title of the message is simply this, Am I a servant of God? Ask yourself that question today. Am I a servant of God? You know, it's one thing to say that I believe in God, and that's a really good thing. It's another thing to say that, you know, I go to church, that's a good thing. But truthfully, when's the last time that that you were having a conversation with someone, and in that dialogue, they made the announcement to you that they're a servant of God? Boy, it really begins to have the rubber meet the road, doesn't it? Am I a servant of God? See, servants don't tell their masters what to do. They find out what their masters want them to do, and then they go do it. When you and I prayerfully today are a servant of God... My, my heart's cry today is that we are desperately seeking, God, what do you want me to do? Like, what do you want me to do, God? God, I, I want to live for you. I want to make a difference. I don't want to go along with the crowd. I don't want to blend in with the world. I don't want to walk in darkness. I want to walk in light. God, what do you want me to do? You know, so often we don't know what God wants us to do because we don't bother asking Him. And here in our study from 1 Peter, as we continue verse by verse, I know it's not entertaining, I get this. I know it's not motivational, I get this. But I've done this long enough to know this. That when you dig into the Word of God, word by word, verse by verse, and what happens is as you sink your mind into it, as you sink your heart into it, as you sink your life into it, it will begin to sink it into you. And you'll begin to be changed. I mean transformed from the inside out. And here today in 1 Peter, we are in two verses that show us very clearly who we are to be, because it's an outflow of whose we are. Everything's an outflow in your life. You're either walking in truth and you're walking in the light, or you're walking with the enemy and you're walking in darkness. You can't vacillate between the two. And way too many people in our culture today are attempting to navigate that fence. But church, dear one, hear my heart today, you got to remember this. Satan owns the fence. If you try to somehow straddle the fence of light and darkness, and by the way, the enemy is going to be right there trying to pull you to the other side. He's going to get people that are in your little network and they're going to be saying, psst, come over here, psst. 
And my appeal to you and to me, dear one, today is stay in the light at all costs. Like at any and all costs. Do whatever you got to do, but stay in the light. Because once you get absorbed into the darkness, all while going to church, all while professing Jesus, you're still in the darkness. See, here Peter outlines in two verses, very systematically as he writes to these persecuted Christians, he says these words in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. He says, live as people who are, what church? Free. Not, wait a minute, wait a minute, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but... Living as church servants. Of who? Of God. 17. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. And I know in our culture, this sounds weird. Honor the emperor. We'll explain that here in a moment. Am I, are you, a true servant of God? You've got to remember that in these 13 verses that we're now studying, as you migrate through these, as you go through them and you unpack it, as you, you have your spoon and your fork and your knife and you tuck your napkin in and you're just digging into God's Word, you're mining the Scriptures, you're finding all the nuggets of truth in there, you're applying those to your life, I'm applying those to my life, we're in these 13 verses of submission to authority. Now again, we live in a culture today where you know, the flavor of the day is, I'm not submitting to anybody. Like, you don't tell me what to do. That's just how things roll, don't they? At work, in your home, on your ball team, at your church perhaps. I mean, that's just how things roll. And yet, Peter here, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying this, look, there's just not a better way, there's the only way. And everything's an outflow. So in your life today, if you're struggling with submitting, it's all an outflow of who you're serving, everything's an outflow. You are either walking in truth with Jesus in the light, or you're walking in darkness. And the reality is this, it's perfectly possible to sit in a church week after week, year after year, all your life, and never be truly committed to Jesus. The challenge in our culture is that we're having all these conflicting messages, right? Think about this for a moment. So, you know, you go out in the workplace, you go out in the world, you turn on the internet, you turn on the TV, you turn on the radio, you read the newspaper, that thing that, you know, it's made out of paper and you kind of flip it open for you younger people. And everything you see, every message that you hear, right, is all about me. It's all about me. So somehow, you and I, we hear this Monday through Saturday, and then we come into a church building on a Sunday, and somehow we think that in a few moments, we're going to defrag from all the poison, toxicity, and carbon monoxide of the world. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. Unless you're in God's Word and it's in you moment by moment, day by day, that is the only way, the only way that you're somehow going to navigate in this life. Peter is telling them that right here. 
He's saying, look, I know you're persecuted for your faith. I know you're struggling. I know the temptation to hit the done button is there. And that's what we typically do, don't we? Man, when the furnace gets turned up hot, we're looking for exit ramps. But what we often don't realize, don't miss this, we often don't realize that as we persevere through the struggle, through the trial, many times God is on the other side of that Jordan River. And way too many people, way too many people never get across their Jordan because they quit way too early. The blessing follows the obedience, not the other way around. And there are people today who are being lured away, itching ears. Man, we want something more fun. We want something more entertaining. Just lured away by the drugs. Why? Because they don't have a deep understanding of the glorious riches in God's Word. There's not a confidence in God's Word, a fidelity. They're not understanding the reward is waiting for them. Peter's like, he's pleading. I mean, Peter's pleading. He's pleading with his reader. And he's saying, look, you got to understand this. Life is going to be hard, that when you live for Christ, people are going to hate you, they're going to slander you, they're going to say all kinds of evil against you. But what did Jesus tell us there in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5 of Matthew? He said this, in the midst of that, rejoice! Wow. Rejoice. Wow. Wow. When's the last time someone slandered you and your first inclination was to go throw a party? Rejoice and be glad. Why? For great, for great is your reward. Oh, dear one today, I plead with you from God's Word. Live as though you're free. For you that are truly saved, I pray everyone is, but for you that have never given your life to Christ, and let me make this very simple. A life of true belief in Christ is a life of total commitment to Him. And for some of you in that equation, it's going to cost you dearly. I mean, it's going to cost you dearly. Because like, Today, there's some of you that are in the midst of your family, there's a pole of light and darkness. There's light and there's darkness in your family. And you got to figure out, you got to make a decision which way you're going to fall. You can continue to coddle and hold hands cross your fingers, cross your toes, hope this works out, or you can begin to walk in the light and stand for the truth knowing you're going to take it on the chin and the fiery darts are coming. And the slander, I'm telling you, it won't let up. Why? Because the enemy has one card to play. It's called the lie. Let me lie about the truth tellers. Let me defame their name. Let me try to bring them down. Now, what do you do? You keep pressing on. You just press on. You got a laser beam focus. Doesn't matter. You just press on. Peter is pouring into these believers saying, I know life is hard. 
He's like, I got the t-shirt, I get this. It's really hard. But we know with confidence. We know with confidence in God's Word. That as we get under God's Word, we get under it and we stay under it and we don't bend, we don't buckle. We're just like, I'm going to stay under here. I'm here. I know it's for my safety and my security. I know people won't like me, but I'm going to press on because I'm going to remain under joyfully the truth of God's Word. What's going to happen is this. That life you live of joyful submission to God's Word is living as though you're free and not in bondage, is going to preach a thousand messages. Two things you learn in life, you cannot hide pride and you cannot hide humility. Impossible to do either. Why? Because it's just an outflow of who we serve. Just an outflow. And here Peter is saying, look, you're free, you're not in bondage. Look right there in your Bible in front of you. Live as people, behave as people, act as people who are free, not in bondage. But wait a minute, however, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Oh, this is, well, this is dicey here. The church is made up of wheat and tares. Wheat, people have truly given their life to Christ. Tears. It's a weed that looks like wheat. And while men slept, the Bible says, the enemy came and he, he sowed what? Tears among the weeds. And so many people, I believe, all across our country today who are sitting in a church today are professing Jesus on one hand and living in wickedness on the other hand. You say, how could someone profess on one hand Jesus and live in wickedness on the other? I'll tell you, it's real simple. Their conscience has been seared, is what the Bible says. The conscience has been seared. The Holy Spirit has been grieved and quenched. And Peter's saying, don't dabble in darkness. Don't play with fire, you're going to get burned. See, it's interesting when you look at that phrase, this is the ESV that I'm reading from, but when you study this, and it says here, and I repeat, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. It, you could say this, in some translations, a cloak, a veil. In the original, it gives the illustration of a person who's masquerading in a theater. I mean, it takes a lot of effort to keep up the charade. I mean, it's exhausting for you that have attempted that before. And maybe you that are in that today. It's exhausting because you can't keep your story straight. Peter's saying, look, live as people who are really free, and the people who are really free don't try to cover it up and use it as a cloak and a veil and a mask for evil. No, you Galatians 5, you walk in the Spirit is what you do. I was thinking through that thought, and it really resonated in my mind that this verse 16, you know, it's all about joyful submission, right? Because the servant word there in the original language, and I heard some of you read it from your translation, it's actually the word bondservant. Now, what's a bondservant? This is very, very key. So if you're going to understand, if you're here today and you're going, man, I want more of Jesus, 
I'm hungering, fire hydrant, like turn it on full tilt. Like I just want more and more and more because I know it's going to transform me. I know the nonsense of the world is, is going to pacify for a season. It'll bring a temporary joy, but it will never satisfy my weary, thirsty soul. That word right there, servant, bond servant, means this, to be a willing slave, to be a willing servant. Here's the key. Don't miss this. That freely, this is the key, that freely, willingly, joyfully gives up your freedom so that you can actually become free. Doesn't even make any sense, does it? You mean, I'm going to give away my freedom spiritually speaking, in Christ, so that as I give it away, and we're control freaks, aren't we? We want to control everything. So the moment we go, wait a minute, I'm going to give away my freedom, how on earth could I actually be free? Well, it's real simple. It's the Bible. The Bible preaches this message that we crucified the flesh, even though the world and the media is saying you lift up self. Jesus says the way up is down. You live by dying, you win by losing. All we hear is about prop yourself up, right? And tell everybody about your corner office and your vacation and all that's going on in your life. Even if it's false and it's fake, just make it appear good. And the Bible just screams a totally different message. It says, die to self. Put others first. Live the gospel. Die for the gospel. We've got people right now in Afghanistan that are, that are falling off of airplanes. I thought I had a bad day. They're doing everything they can to get out because they know the Christian missionaries over in Afghanistan today know that there's a strong likelihood they're going to die. Physically, they're going to die. But you know what? They're like, just bring it. Just bring it on. Because we know that when we exit this life, we actually are finally free, and we stand in the presence of the one who took our place. It's amazing. Peter says, look. He says, look. I want your faith to be serious, is what he's saying. Not casual Christianity not go along with the flow, not blending in with the world. I, I see professed believers all the time over years of ministry. Here's the just raw reality. You hold them up and you hold them up to the world and you see virtually no difference. Just blending in with the one difference they're at a church on a Sunday. God has not called us to that life. He didn't willingly execute His only begotten Son so that He would give me a gift card to keep living in sin. The consequences of sin and rebellion and defiance, they will taint your life. They will infect your life. And they will taint and infect those around you to a degree with the refusal to repent, there's no going back. And Peter's like, look, you can't be living in this. Why? Because verse 16, what does it do when I read this? Live as people. He's saying, do this. He's not like suggesting, hey, if you get around to it, if you feel like it, if you're not too tired. No, he's saying, do this. Live as people who are free. In other words, act and behave like a Christian if you profess to be one. 
But don't. Don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Here's the deal. I've seen this happen more times than I can count. Someone professes Christ. They're truly walking in darkness. It's all a charade. It's all a sham. They're talking about all the people around them, trying to deflect and keep the attention off them. But I'm telling you this, at some point, time is the great exposure of who we all really are. At some point, you can't continue the charade forever. Can't do it. I've seen people attempt to do it. And the damage that they create has nothing to do with a Christ-honoring life. That's why when you read verse 16, for false Christians who read verse 16, for those that are in sin today and they read verse 16, this is super threatening. Why? Here's why. It forces us to deal in reality. Live as people who are free. Not as a cover-up, not as a sham, not as that charade, that portrayal of the actor in the play or the movie. No, as reality of who you and I really are. Fallen, broken, messed up, jacked up people who by the grace of God, amen? By the grace and the mercy of our great God, whom He set forth as that propitiation that would appease God's wrath, that whosoever believes commits their life to Him will never perish but have everlasting life. Oh, who the Son sets free is truly free. Not the person who makes a profession and it's not real. Key number one, write this down in your notes. Key number one, here it is. Truly save people. Don't take advantage of their rescue as a license to sin, but rather they grieve deeply. They grieve deeply over their sin, and they seek to live in humble submission to the Lord in all that they do. Key number one, write this down. Truly say people don't take advantage of the rescue as a license to sin, but rather they grieve deeply over their sin and they seek, they're on a mission to live in humble submission to the Lord in all that they do. Well, here's the deal. Why do we blend in with the world so often? Here's the reality. The truth behind why we blend in with the world, I believe to be this. We've figured out we can get away with it. There aren't any lightning bolts. Got a good job, live in a nice house, drive nice cars, have a nice family. Somehow we deductively connect dots that aren't there that somehow God must be in favor of this new approach. 
And what we don't understand, church, tier one, hear my heart on this, we don't understand, but we are actually storing up wrath for the day to come. We're building up a war chest, an ATM account of God's fury and His wrath. See, that's why the Bible is so key in our growth. We can be in the Word, but the real question is, is the Word in me? Is it in you? That's the real question. Because when the Word is in us, it begins to just not inform us, it begins to transform us. And there will be a marked change. I was thinking of Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, 15 through 20, and there are seven churches there in Revelation, and the two were good. So if you round it up, that's 29%. If you're a football fan and you're completing that many passes per game, 29%, that will get you pumping gas and bagging groceries. That's not good. Two out of seven are good. Five have lost their way. And here's one in Revelation 3, the church of Laodicea. And listen closely. This is Jesus speaking here. So if you're wondering how serious He wants you, me, to take our faith in Him, this profession, if you're wondering, listen to these words. To be a true servant. Verse 15, chapter 3, Revelation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot, exclamation point. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. The Greek on that means this, to puke. That's the visual. So Jesus is talking, and I pray as you're listening to the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart right now, if you're walking in that lukewarmness, if you're riding the fence, this is what Jesus thinks of this. This is how serious this is. For you say, verse 17, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Look at my life, God. Like, look at my life. I don't really need you. I'll check in with you a couple Sundays a month, if it's a good month. I don't need you. Not realizing that you are actually wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. Rich not physically, rich spiritually. That's the whole goal here, is to be rich spiritually. And so many people are bankrupt spiritually. They're dead men, dead women walking through life spiritually. So that what? You may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and the salve to anoint your eyes to make you spiritually see so that, here's the why, you may see those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be. Here's the key. So be. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. Church, I pray you hear my heart. Dear one, I pray you hear my heart today behind God's holy written word. I pray you hear the truth of this. As the Apostle John is writing this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 
Jesus is actually knocking on the door of His own church trying to get in. I don't know if we understand this, but but when people, individuals, families, ball teams, businesses, and churches walk in year after year of perpetual disobedience, there are times where God goes, I've had enough. Like, this is over. Here's what he's getting at. He's pleading as Peter is pleading. Peter's saying, look, you're free. Don't fall back into darkness. Don't walk in that way. Don't live as a cover-up and a sham for evil that you can get at that person and get at that one and, uh, and tell this half-truth and that lie over there and skew this here and go out to lunch and laugh about it with all your friends. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, look, walk in holiness. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. We are in desperate days. We are in a dark season in our country. This should and must be the true believer's finest hour. The true believer right now should be just casting everything aside and saying, look, we are in perilous days. We are in a downward death spiral spiritually in our country. We're a post-Christian America. Call it what it is. Denial's a bad way to live life. That's where we are. Now we know what we're up against. We formulate the plan. We go to God's Word. We're going to be disciples that make disciples, giving God glory. We're, we're deep into God's Word every day. What's happening? We're praying hard. We're fervently. We're gathering for prayer for revival. We're seeking personal holiness. We're asking God, God, what do you want from me? God, show me my sin. Show me my areas of lukewarmness. Show me where I'm not walking in holiness. God, show me. Help me be the one. Help me to be the one that will set the tone. Help me to be the one that says, if none go with me, I'm still following Jesus. Light a fire under me. If no one will stand up and say, I will go, God, have me be the one that will stand up and say, I will go. And yet so often, again, we've talked ourselves into this thought that because life is good, somehow we think we got God's rubber stamp endorsement. And I've seen this happen over and over. Of people who profess Christ. And the reality is they're really working for the enemy. And they come to the realization years later. And they cannot believe what they've done. And the damage they've caused has wreaked havoc for generations. You may be asking, is sin really that big of a deal? Is it really that big of a deal? 
I know this, that, that God my Father didn't execute His only begotten Son and mar Him beyond recognition and allow Him to be ridiculed and spit upon and reviled because sin is not a big deal. It's a really big deal. And Paul writes right here to the church there in Rome and he says these words in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. He says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Let me just continue in this so we can get more grace. His response, by no means, exclamation point. How can we who died to sin still live in it? It doesn't even make any logical sense, let alone spiritual sense. We're going to somehow waffle between the two, light and darkness. Oh, someone, let go of the ego, Amen. It's just what happens when you walk in darkness long enough. It slowly begins to absorb you. It's like that carbon monoxide. You don't see it. You don't smell it. You don't taste it. But it's killing you. Peter says, be free because you're really free. But don't use it as a cover for actually being on the enemy's payroll. And then all of a sudden, he puts a big red bow on this with four statements. Some are two words, some are three words. And verse 17, and he says this, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God. Honor the emperor. What is he getting at here? He he just said, wait a minute, here's the deal. Uh, You're free, you're not in bondage. Wait a minute, don't use it for cover. And then all of a sudden, he begins to say these statements. Well, what he's doing here, he's fleshing this out. See, when he says honor everyone, he means this to prize, to place value upon, to revere. Show honor to everyone. Push people to the front is what he's saying. We live in a culture where, you know, the culture says, hey, you know, you just take everyone that's in front of you and you discard them and you push yourself to the front. And here Peter's saying, wait a minute, no, you don't do that. That's not a Christ follower. A Christ follower is pushing other people to the front. You're okay with sitting in the back of the bus, so to speak. Push them to the front. Honor them. And then he says this word, these two words. He says, Three words, rather. He says, love the brotherhood. What's the brotherhood? Any ideas? The church. Now, this is very interesting. Don't miss this. So, he says honor. So, give reverence to, give that value to, push people to the front. So, we're denying self and we're saying, look, I'm going to put you to the front. Hey, you want the job I want and we're both vying for it. Oh, you got the job. You know what? I'm genuinely happy for you. I'm genuinely joyful. You know what you do when you do that, by the way? You are actually unlocking yourself from the self-imposed prison of envy. When you joyfully go, man, I'm I'm glad you got that. I'm, I'm disappointed in it. I really wanted that. But you know what? I believe in God and He's sovereign. And I believe that, you know, when He makes a way, He makes a way. And sometimes He opens a door, sometimes He closes one. But I just, I just trust Him. I walk by faith and not by sight. And so, hey, I'm just really happy for you. I'm joyful for you. I pray God's blessings on you. Man, that's a life of freedom right there, isn't it? 
I know so many professing believers that would not take that approach. They're angry, they're venomous, they're jealous, they're envious. <laughs> Honor everyone, love the brotherhood. It's that word we talk about often, agape. Agape. It's a love that's out of this world. It's a godly love. It's a love that you and I cannot manufacture in the flesh. Can't do it. It's impossible. You and I will never be able to manufacture with enough gumption in the flesh a love that loves like God loves. Can't do it. It's a love that loves in spite of, not because of. I mean, just think about what this will do in your life, in your family. Just take your family for a moment. Maybe there's a lot of infighting going on. Maybe you're one of those families. I, I don't understand this. I know Christian families that all they do is scream at each other. Like, I can't even wrap my mind around that. What pit of darkness is that? I mean, they just yell at each other. No, we, we live as though we truly love each other. We love each other. We love the brotherhood. You love the church. Jesus is coming back for His church, His people, not His buildings. He's coming back for His true people, by the way. Not His professing people. They're going to be people on that last day. But we did miracles in Your name. We even slung mulch at the church house, Jesus. Doesn't that give us some points? He's going to say, get away from me, you worker of sin. I never knew you. Not that I don't know you, present tense. I never knew you. Sin's a big deal. And He calls us who are truly saved to be His servants, to be His willing slaves, to willingly say, my life's no longer my own. I don't want to hang on to it anymore. I've been trying to play the dance. I'm getting really tired of playing the dance. My family's a wreck. We're keeping up a good charade. We smile. Now He says, I want you to walk in freedom. I want you to walk in holiness. I want you to walk in obedience and righteousness. That's the life worth living. And that's why key number two says it like this. Honor, comma, love, comma, and the fear of God are three critical elements in a true believer's life. These are non-negotiable. Like if you profess to be a believer today and you don't have honor in your life, love and fear for God and for other people. I'd go back and check your salvation. I don't know which Bible you're reading. This fear of God is very, very important because why? Everything's an outflow. What does it mean to fear God? Well, there's two categories. For the false believer today, for the one who's truly not converted, has never been regenerated, there should be a fear. If you're in that category today, you should be scared out of your mind. Here's why. Because you're going to face His wrath, His judgment. Life may be skating by for right now. You may have convinced yourself, God must be good with this. I can assure you He's not. But for the true believer, the one who's been regenerated. And by the way, have you noticed this? When you encounter a true believer, there's actually a change in the countenance. There's something different about people, isn't there? I mean, you just walk away, they haven't said a word, just like, whoa, like, that, that's amazing. That's amazing. 
God's all over that person. He's in that person. A true believer will have a holy awe, fear, and reverence of God. Like, when's the last time that you got in God's presence? When's the last time you've done this? You're in His presence. You've turned off the television and the radio. You put away the newspaper, took the phone, turned it off, and you just began to marinate in God's presence. Think about this. And you begin to marinate and just begin to go vertical with God. And you begin to seek Him like never before and just seek Him with a passion and a vengeance, so to speak. And you're just hungry and you're thirsting for Him. And you're just talking to the Lord and saying, God, you're so great and you're so wonderful and you're so glorious and your love for me, I can't even understand it or fathom it, but I, but I worship you. I give you praise. I give you the glory. I just love you and I want more of you in my life. I want more of you in my life. How many of us have done that recently? Just hungering and thirsting for the Lord. See, so often what happens is we, we don't have those outflows because we haven't been in His presence. See, Isaiah chapter 6 says it like this. Isaiah 6 says it like this, verses 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, and He was high and lifted up, and, and the train of His robe filled the temple. And so, church, just for a moment, go here with me, that, that all in this room, the Lord's train is just filling this room, just filling this room with His glory and His praise. And above him stood the seraphim, and each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And, and one called to another. They're calling to another. I love this part. They're, they're declaring to one another about who God really is. And they say, holy, holy, holy. It's called the trihagion. It's the holiness of God that when you're in His presence, it's the only retort you have. That when you're really in His presence and you really see who He is, you begin to see who He is and you begin to see who you are and I am. Holy, 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 my God. You're just amazing. There's just none like you. And even if the whole world comes against you or me, we, we still press on for Jesus. Why? Because He's holy, He's holy, He's holy. And then you see in your Bible... The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of Him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. I don't really want our church building to be filled with smoke. That might be a bad sign, amen? But I'd love to see it begin to shake. Wouldn't you love to be here and the place begins to shake? I mean, that people are just so inspired by God's glory, His holiness. They're just like, oh, I want nothing else but you, God. Nothing else but you. I don't want anything else in this life. All I want is your glory and your holiness in me. And then what happens in Isaiah? Well, you see what a response. And I said, wow, that's cool. I said, hey, can you do that again? That was pretty amazing. And I said, that's pretty neat, but this stuff's just way too biblical. I want something more entertaining. No, what's the response? You see this church? Don't miss this. Don't miss this from God's Word. That when you encounter His holiness for who He is, you and I 
will begin to see who we really are. And the response is this, woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. For I am undone. I'm just a man of unclean lips and I'm in a people of unclean lips. But my eyes, but my eyes have seen the Lord. The Lord of glory. And as you and I begin to have a personal, living, vibrant encounter with this Jesus who is called the Christ, and we begin to see the glory and the holiness of our great God, our only response is to hit the deck. We're not hungering for something else. We're hungering for more of Him. Oh, I want more of you, Jesus. And then what does He say? He says this. That's so powerful. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth. Behold, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, make it personal, church. Then I said, then I said, I will. I'll be the one. I'll be the one that goes. Here am I. Send me. Did you catch this, by the way? He took the tongs from the altar and he touched his lips. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaks. See, what we say reveals what's actually inside of us. And the only response is one of humility and contrition and brokenness. And if you want to see revival in your home and your business and your ball team and your church, there will have to be humility and contrition and brokenness. Otherwise, it will never happen. And you can continue, if this is you, to live in a charade. But at some point, the curtain will get pulled back. See, that's why the takeaway question is so important. And we've already asked it. But here it is again. Am I a true servant of God? Am I a true servant of God? Am I a willing bondservant? I'm willing to give away my rights. I want to give away my freedom because I actually want to get set free. Maybe you ask it like this. What is my purpose in life? I know so many people that have zero purpose in life. Zero. Gonna go to work, gonna make some money, gonna cash a check. Repeat, repeat, repeat. No purpose, zero purpose. When you are a true believer who has been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have a purpose when it's real. Now, if it's false, you don't have a purpose. 
But if it's real, you have a purpose. Your purpose is this, to give glory to God, to be His disciple that goes and make disciples. That's your new life mission. You don't have to do this. You get to do this. <laughs> it's just, I can't wait to do this. This is amazing. I'm finally seen for the first time spiritually. I can hear for the first time spiritually. I actually have a joy within me that even though life is hard and disappointing and there's so many struggles and I don't understand why a good God would allow this to enter into my life, I know this, that my Redeemer lives. I know He saved me. He purchased me by His blood. He bought me back. He satisfied the wrath of God. I know that I will spend eternity with Him. And because I know about the confidence in God's Word, I read it. I live it. I breathe it. Here's what happens. I take God's Word in such a way that as I internalize it into my own soul, I now look forward to my heavenly reward. And I wonder how many people actually do that. You know, I was thinking here this past week about Afghanistan, and my heart was weeping. My eyes were having rivers of water flowing from them. As some of these missionaries have already professed that there's a likelihood that they will not be coming home, there's a strong likelihood they're going home. And when you begin to understand this reality, this reality that there is a heaven and there is a hell, that they are real. That every true servant of God should be motivated to such the highest degree to just not talk about the mission, but go live the mission. And I saw one of these infographics that came across my screen, and it cut me to the core. And this is what it said, and I quote, the church in Afghanistan, we will gather and likely die. The church in America, we will gather unless there's a cookout, a party, a ball game, it's a nice day, it's raining, or I'm tired, end quote. What a damning reality on the church in America. You notice I said reality. We have the most precious gift that we could ever have. And we just trifle with it because it's getting in the way of our schedule. Oh, how my heart just weeps. If you only knew, church, the nights I weep, I just weep with a broken heart. Oh, I pray. I pray that someone, anyone, will begin to rise up and just say, I'm going to go live for Jesus. I'm going to do everything I can while well, i got time on this earth to make a difference. I'm not going to take for granted the bride any longer. I'm going to own my own discipleship. Oh, I pray, I pray that the Lord will bring soft, 
tender hearts into His presence. And as Matt Chandler said, if you're a church person and not a Jesus person, my heart hurts for you. It's like being engaged and never getting married. It's miserable. Here's our action step. In the midst of the spiritual darkness that is pressing in around me, I resolve, I pray this is you, I resolve to immerse myself in desperate prayer and God's Word. Intentional, urgent, desperate brokenness. But what would happen in your family, just your little church, your little family today, if everyone in your family began to just press into God's Word, to begin to pray like you've never prayed before? Like what would happen in your family today? Maybe the brokenness you're experiencing would no longer be broken. Maybe this is exactly what God is doing. I mean, how far are we willing to go to allow God to get our attention is the question. Well, we fall in love with so many things of the world. We're enslaved to our phones. Looking for that next neurological arousal. That next dopamine drip, right? Who's liking me? Who's following me? Just enslaved, looking everywhere except the real place, the only place, the living, breathing Word of God that will set you free today. Spurgeon said it like this, self-sufficiency is Satan's net where he catches men like poor silly fish and then destroys them. That's why we want to be about God's Word. Acts 6.4 tells us, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Galatians 1.10 tells us, Paul says here, for now am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying, think about this church, if I was still trying to please man, I would not be, guess what church? Take a wild guess what that word is. You're right, doulos. A bondservant, a willing slave. My life is no longer my own. I'm giving it to Christ. I freely give away my freedom because when I give my freedom to Jesus, He gives me true freedom that will last forever. And yet so many are falling into 1 Kings 18.21. Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions. I don't know if there's a better visual than that right there in our country today. People just limping along. One hand on Jesus, one hand on the world. One hand on Jesus, one hand on self. Just limping. Why am I limping? I don't know. I'm still going on though. Why are you limping, he says, between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. The people did not answer him a word. Wow. Sometimes the silence is deafening. Am I or are you a true servant of God? You will take it on the chin. See, it's just easier to go along to get along, isn't it? To stand for the truth, it's hard. But God doesn't call us to do easy things. He calls us 
to do holy things. Robbie Gallaudet said it like this, the loudest boos come from the cheapest seats. I found that the biggest critics in your ministry are people who are uninvested in the mission and the vision, end quote. See, if you're going to be a true servant of God, you're going to be a fool for Christ's sake. There's just no other way around this. There are no shortcuts in the Christian life. There's no ways around the fiery furnaces of life when you're a believer in Jesus. If He wants you in there, He'll put you in there. And if He wants you out of there, He'll jump in there with you. But there's no shortcuts. And yet we know from Hudson Taylor, the great missionary, who said God's work done God's way never lacks God's supply. And we rest on that promise. Why? Because we rest in the risen hope of our risen Savior, King Jesus. And we know that in the midst of the struggles and the heartaches and the disappointments and the challenges and the unfairness of life, we know without any reservation, we take this to the bank because we know that this check will cash. We know our Redeemer lives. And because we know He lives, we can face today and church, we can face tomorrow. Amen? So here's my last word of encouragement for you. Don't throw your life away. Don't throw your life away. Way too many people today are throwing their lives away. Regardless of where you are in age and demographic, don't throw your life away. I promise you this. I promise you. I've counseled way too many people who have gotten to the end and with tears in their eyes, they're just in a desperate mode of regret that why didn't I? Why did I continue to walk in the darkness? Why did I waste these 80 plus years on self? Why didn't I walk in the light? Pastor, why? Tell me. As one person said, failure in itself is not the issue. Failure in itself is not the issue. It's what you do next that matters. Man, we're here and we're breathing. And we got an incredible opportunity. And I pray that we are fired up. I pray we're raring to go. And that we're going to charge the gates of hell and not with a squirt gun. Amen? We are charging the gates of hell with the royal righteous blood of Jesus Christ. I pray when I get up and you get up, I pray. I pray with a fervency as I'm talking right now. I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that when you and I wake up every morning, that the demons in hell begin to tremble. I pray they just go, oh no, she's awake. Oh no, he's awake. Here they come. They're getting on the battlefield for God's glory. Oh, can you imagine what we could do as we pursue a life of total surrender to Christ? But you've got to understand this last thought, and that is simply this, that you will be persecuted. There's no way around this. So what do you do? You have a choice. Are you going to be all in? Or are you going to please the flesh? 
Well, I pray it will be like this person who wrote this many years ago when they penned these words that are so inspirational. And here's what this person said. I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of His. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, worldly taking, cheap giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, applause, or popularity. I don't have to be right. I don't have to be first. I don't have to be tops or recognized or praised or regarded or rewarded. I now live by faith. I lean on His presence. I walk by patience. I'm uplifted by prayer and I labor by power. My pace is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. My guide, capital G, is reliable, and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till He comes, give till I drop, preach till all I know, and work till He stops me. And when He comes for His own, He'll have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. And all God's people said, Amen. Father, we come before You. And Father, as we come to this time where we reflect, the temptation for some of us is to continue to surrender some. But You've called us to surrender all. So Father, I pray in this room today that that You would soften and tenderize hearts. Just soft and tender. It reminds me of that old hymn, Softly and Tenderly, Jesus is Calling. Lord, I pray that we respond with humility and tenderness. Because if we're not careful, you will often go to great lengths to get our attention. So, Father, don't allow us to rebel. Don't allow us to be divisive. But I pray there'll be humility in my life and our lives that will honor one another, that we will love the brotherhood will love the bride, the church, that we'll fear you, God, holy awe and reverence. 
Lord, oh, help us today. Help us today, oh God. Don't allow us to walk in darkness. But propel us right now, God. But propel us into the light. Oh, Father, we give you the praise in this hour. Holy Spirit, will you move? Move in power. Stir like you've never stirred before. Awaken the sleepy spiritual soul right now. Awaken, God. Do the work only you can do. Oh, Father, we'll be quick to give you the praise. For worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is the Lamb that went into that grave. But praise be to our great God. Worthy is the Lamb that on the third day He ran out of that grave, O God. We have victory. Victory in Jesus. Victory over sin. Help us to live as though we have that victory. And we'll be quick to give you all the praise and give you all the glory. And we pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.